You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And now, of course, the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter here with you all on this Thursday date after the Pelicans introduced David Griffin as their brand new executive vice president of basketball operations. He had a wonderful uh, introductory press conference today, and we are focusing on that entirely in this edition of Lockdown Pelicans. And I'm bringing along a guest for the ride as we break this down from every direction, let you know what you missed out if you did not get a chance to see it. Is Alvin Gentry back or not? We've got a definitive answer of that. Is Anthony Davis maybe back in New Orleans? The door's a little bit more open than it was to start the day. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, we've got him for the whole show here on Locked On Pelicans, Andrew Lopez of NOLA.com, the Times Picayune, the beat writer covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. So, Andrew, just right off the bat, he David Griffin killed that press conference, right? Yeah, that was like the win of all press conference wins. Like, you expect somebody who's coming into a job to win the press conference, like, okay, like, big deal. Like, that was like a super win. Like, that was just fantastic the the way that he just came out there uh it, it was it was clear it was concise it was a, like an actual vision for what he wanted to do it wasn't just you know somebody just getting up there saying words so uh to me it was a it just one hell of a performance by him and uh yeah it, it was it was really good man like I, that was that was how you if you script out how you want your your presser to go that's exactly how it should go. It had tears in it. Like at one point he was tearing up thinking about the city yeah. and like how he came down when he was 14 years old and really kind of fell in love with New Orleans then. And if you ever want to get people in New Orleans to like you, talk about how you yeah. find New Orleans awesome. There's a reason everyone here hates Phil Jackson because he said it smells like trash. And then he comes yeah. out and pulls these tears and starts talking about how he's been to Commanders and Pascal's Manales and all of that right in the beginning. You're going to get people on your side instantly. Yeah, and the thing about it is, you know, he's he got emotional because, you know, this had this wasn't an easy road for him. Like he grew up with like with a single mom that had to work his way through school. He like not only did he work his way through Arizona State. Like he worked his way through a private school in Arizona for high school in the Phoenix area. So him and his mom have really worked for everything he's gotten. He he grinded when he got to to the Suns. You remember when he got to the Suns, when he started there as an intern, he was like a communications intern. Yep. Like he wasn't even on the like the basketball side of things when all this started. And 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 for him now to be in a position where he, you know, he turned down a job from Jerry West, like to run the, to, to run, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Grizz. Like, so for him to, to get where he is and kind of be right there, I think that's where it kind of just, it, it all kind of hit him at once that, like, this is, you know, happening again. I know he's been there before, but it was kind of, you know, 
kind of hitting him again, I think, right there. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I also think like he, he realizes the importance of his role. And I don't know. You know yeah. when you kind of like land a job and you're like, this is a good one. Like, this is it. It definitely yeah. comes across that he feels that way. And that's it's like anything where you just like instantly like everything feels right. And he talked about how he wanted to find his owner, his owner, yeah. and kind of kept reiterating that. You know, he found it here. It, it sounds like like this is home to him now. He's not just here for the short term. Like this is, you know, if he could have this job the rest of his life, it seems like he would be happy. Yeah, and you know, he that was a big thing for him. And you look at the jobs that this guy has turned down. Not just in his life, he turned down Memphis in 2006. He turned down Denver in 2010. He finally gets to Cleveland, works his way up uh, because he believes in Gilbert's vision. Uh, and then he still is able to turn down other jobs. Like he turned down more jobs. He turned down New York. He turned down Philly. He pulled himself out of a lot of other jobs. He wasn't a, a, even a candidate for some of those jobs. He was waiting for the right situation. And you, you see it now exactly that he feels he's in the exact right spot. Yeah. And that came across in everything that he said today. Everything he said, and one of the things that he reiterated, which I kind of liked how Hardy hammered this point home, was he knew he was in high demand. He even told, you know, gave a yeah. shout out to his agent saying, like, I was difficult because I'm turning all this stuff down and they want me to get another job. And he wasn't <laughs> taking them because. Yeah. He... It, Go ahead. It was just weird. No, it was just weird because he's like, you know, this is a. Uh... I think the words he, he it was a it was a difficult job because every he, they'd get him these interviews and he'd be like, "Nah, I don't want it." Yeah, or, exactly. He, he, they'd offer him the job and he'd be like, "Nah, it's not my situation." Like, I could understand how frustrating that must be for your agents who are like, "Dude, come on!" Like, yeah, like, we're gonna we're gonna have like, to make, stop, make like, us some this. more money here, man. Yeah. So, the fact that he was able to get to 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 his job and I, I think that was something that was one of my takeaways early on in this process was he, he kind of sought this job out. He, he could have just as easily stayed in NBA TV, stayed working on the radio and, you know, cherry pick, you know, he, he could have gone to Los Angeles. He could have gone and worked with LeBron again. Yeah. You know, if he wanted to, to, to go that way, he could have probably, pushed over there and, I, and that's a whole dumpster fire right now that, so i, I mean that's that, like uh, what i yeah that, Kate would have would have listened but you know he he could have been in a number of other places and he kind of chose to be here and then he kind of said it uh today he goes 30 minutes into the interview i was hoping that i didn't screw it up because i wanted to be here uh, so and i, I was gonna bring that, that up to me yeah. And, th and that was my f one of my favorite things he said, because it sounds like he's making all of these other places interview to him and pitch to him rather than him walking into the job being like, OK, I got to prove I'm the right guy for this. He's turned all these other franchises and flipped the script here and said, no, no, no you need to show me why you're right for yeah. me which is a great tactic if you're him. And then he makes that kind of clear. And then he says that quote 30 minutes into this interview, I'm hoping I don't screw this up because I'm really yeah. intrigued by this and I want it, which has to tell you a ton about what he thinks about this and how appealing this opening was. And it, it, you know, it sounds like he got the assurances from it where he, he made the joke early on in his press conference when he was standing up there saying, he's like, Gail Benson is 100% in it to win a title yeah. because I made some outrageous demands and she basically said yes to all of it. Yeah. 
And, you know, he went into what the demands were, and it's basically he he wants a large staff, and he, he wants to be able to, to, to have the – and as he said, he wants – it doesn't – names don't matter necessarily. He didn't go in and say, oh, uh, you have to – I have to be able to hire this person. I have to be able to hire this person. He just wanted to know that he could hire those, like, certain types of people. And – once he got those assurances, it, it was all in. And that's what he talked about as, you know, the whole, uh, you know, I made outrageous demands thing. And it's just, he felt very comfortable being here. And, you know, I think, like, like I said before earlier this week, Gail basically got out there and was like, we're, we're completely changing what this franchise wants is, is perceived as. And I think that, you know, hiring Griff, given him the exact same title as Mickey Loomis was not a mistake by any means. Um, they could have called him a lot of different things, but in their structure, they gave him the exact same title they gave Mickey Loomis, which just drives home that point even more. This is no, like Loomis is done. This is a completely yeah. new page for this franchise. No, it's very clearly a brand new chapter. They've even kind of been branding it like that on social media a little bit. And that's what the, this team needs that. So like 100% yeah, needs absolutely. kind of all of this. He he made an interesting point when, when you mentioned his job title, which is what executive vice president of yeah. basketball, operations. basketball operations. And one thing which we can address now, because we got an idea of it from him is the GM situation. Everyone wants to know if they're going to hire an actual GM. He said titles don't really matter. He wants to bring – he's a people person. It's not necessarily the structure. It's you want to bring in good people and let them do their job. And basically he wants to fill out this front office with guys he thinks are really smart to help them make the best decisions in trades, free agency, scouting, and so on. And he said, you know, I don't care if we have a GM or not basically, but if we have to make someone the GM to bring in a guy that I think is really good, then we'll make him the GM and bring in that guy who's really good. Yeah, and and that's I think that was the key part to me was he he's not trying to, you know, obviously people think he's going to have a GM he's going to but he's going to have people around him who he yeah. trusts. That's what this bottom line is. And for him, it's if, if I have to give somebody who's an assistant GM somewhere the title of GM, so it makes him feel better about coming here. Like so sure, it. yeah, who cares? I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do. But to to him, he's going to surround like. And it sounds like he, he's going through meetings with staffers. I think the thing I liked today was uh, he had, like the entire coaching staff was there. They're all presumably going to be back next year. Maybe some tweaks are going to come, uh, and we'll learn about those soon. But like, like at the press conference, like Finch was there, and then Finch immediately, as soon as the press conference was over, like went back to his office and started working. He was <laughs> like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> they like, had... He didn't even bother to put up on – he didn't show up in the suit. I was going to say – He didn't do anything. He's just like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going back to my office. It, he, he went to work. Like, you you had like, Ermin there in, like, a nice dress shirt and pants, and it was buttoned and it was tucked in, and then Finch is in sweats in a, in a Pelicans T-shirt. Yeah, Finch is like, all right, dude, can I just – I just want to go back to my office and work. Can I just go back and work, please? Thanks. Yeah. Okay, bye. Which, which <laughs> like, shows you that – That was it. And we'll talk about this in a moment here that, yeah, the coaching staff is coming back. That's no secret at, at this point. So yeah. I, 
it, it definitely comes across that Griffin has a very clear vision on what he wants to do and that he's very culture oriented. And he kind of said as much, he goes, yeah. we're not going to tear this down. You know, he, he said, it's not like a bipolar situation where you either tear it down or you're competing for a title this year. He goes, you want to get incremental wins, basically come in and be better than you were yesterday and that's how we'll do this and it shows he's thinking for the long term and he said something that was really great too of you know he said eventually we all get run out of town particularly in a job like this and he goes when that happens because it does he goes i want this to be left in such a good situation that whoever gail benson picks after me to run this is going to walk in and be able to have success because we kind of left it and built up something that's sustainable particularly for you know a small market because he doesn't see that being a hindrance yeah and it's kind of funny because he mentioned like everybody everybody gets run out of town it happens to everybody it happens to the best of us but he, he wants to lay down this foundation and that starts with, like you said, it doesn't, he, he wants to get rid of the, it, you have to either be tanking or you have to, it has to be that one way. It doesn't have to be that one way. And that's the kind of point he was getting. He wants to win. He knows it's not going to come right away. This isn't a situation like he was in, in, in Cleveland. This is a completely different situation in Cleveland. He, he was under pressure to win right away because you didn't want to waste any years of LeBron's career. Now you're in a different spot. Now you have a chance to build a franchise and build an actual team up right now. It's not just, Oh crap. I just have to hurry up and surround everybody with LeBron. Like I have to get the best guys. I have to go give Tristan Thompson a major deal. I have to give J.R. Smith a major deal. I got to make LeBron happy to do all this. No, it's now. Okay. I can, I can build a franchise. I can build my spurs here. I can build something that can be my long-term home here. And I think that's where kind of he's going right now. Oh, yeah, which which also shows the job security that he has and the mindset yeah. that Gail Benson's taking. I don't know if, you know, the win now stuff was was so put on Dell that it forced him to make the moves he made or if those were moves he would have made anyway. But you can tell right yeah. now there's no mandate being handed down to David Griffin. It's do what you think you need to do so that in the future we can win an NBA title, which, by the way, yeah. we it, can't say championship. Yeah. It's it's lay a foundation, and that's what this is all about right now. And it's pure. It's simple. You get the foundation laid, and then we can move on from there. And then every everybody can be happy after that. We can kind of, you know, move on from this and see what happens. But that that's pretty much where they're at right now. They want to lay this foundation, and whether that is with Anthony Davis or not, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, which we'll talk about in the third segment here. So before we start talking about the coaching staff, which is going to come up next here, I think there's one quote that made everybody also unbelievably excited. And the question was, do you consider Drew a foundational building block? And Griffin, I think, basically came in and said, I absolutely do. And if you're a Pelicans fan, that's got to sound awesome. Yeah, and the thing about Drew there is he's so confident about Drew uh, it, it was almost like he's, he's basically saying, like, as long as Drew wants to be here, Drew's going to be here. That, that's that's pretty much what I took from it. If, if, you know, this does turn into some sort of a rebuild for, for whatever reason, if people get injured and then Drew wants to get out, great. But he sees Drew as one of the better two guards in the league, one of the better two-way players in the league. We all know what Alvin Gentry thinks about uh, Drew Holiday. We only <laughs> yep. heard it 72 times this year throughout, throughout different interviews. Um, so... 
but Drew is definitely going to be a, a tremendous building block in there. I think, you know, Drew kind of talked about it uh, earlier. He, he wants to have some input when it, when it comes down to things like this. If he is going to be the face of the franchise, which we all expect him to be now, because um, I, I, I mean, I yeah. We'll talk about Anthony in a second, but <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm not sold on Anthony staying here. No, uh, I don't. No I don't think what, anyone but, is here. Um, but you know, Drew. This is Drew's team now, and you're going to see how this works out with him. Yeah, I, I, he's Drew's grown as a leader, and it, it's been really awesome to see him kind of take over that role. And now just to have, see him be kind of the man on a team could be a lot of fun because we've seen what he's capable of doing. And also when you watch a guy like Damian Lillard basically have Dame time from tip in the game against in game two yeah. against the Thunder, and Holiday shut that dude down last year, it makes you even more yeah. excited about this, I think. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because you still see people who – like it, it just makes you realize how good of a defensive player he is. Yeah. When, when you know Dame is, I mean, granted, Dame is a year older. Uh, he he's very likely to have learned from all of his mistakes uh, last year. But man, you see what he's doing against, you know, Oklahoma City, and you're like, oh wait, he didn't do a any of that. Last year. <laughs> No, and, it's it's awesome. You know, it is to see. it is part of the growth of of Dame, but at the same time, it's how good uh, Drew Holiday is, and you know he 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 did just finish his tenth season, but he's still entering. I think the, the prime part of his career, he was out so much by injuries. He doesn't have ten years worth of miles on his legs, you know. So it, it's it's going to be a little bit uh a little bit different for him as as he goes into. You know, he's age 29 season. Yeah, I think so. So it was nice to see David Griffin really see and, and appreciate how good Drew Holiday's been. So we're going to talk about Alvin Gentry in a moment. And then after that, the Anthony Davis stuff, because that's probably one of the other big takeaways of the introductory press conference for David Griffin. Before we get to all of that, I've got to tell you, we're going to have a lot more coming here on Locked on Pelicans. Obviously, the Pelicans in the news. Best way to follow along with everything and stay up to date is to subscribe to Locked on Pelicans through the brand new Himalaya podcast app. They've got personally created algorithms that are going to recommend you the type of content you want to hear. There's a lot of podcasts out there. This helps you find some of the best ones. So download it from your app store and then make sure to listen and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans through the Himalaya podcast app. So here with Andrew Lopez of NOLA.com, the Times Speaking and breaking down the introductory press conference for David Griffin. So we, we kind of just gave our general thoughts here, but one of the things that also jumped out immediately was Alvin Gentry is staying here next year. It seems like the staff's really going to be committed to staying here too, unless someone gets poached somewhere. Good move, bad move. You know, I, I think it's ultimately a good move. I know there's a lot of people out there who aren't Alvin Gentry fans. But, I mean, I just go back to the fact that Alvin has never really had the team here that he ever thought he was going to have. Uh, you even go back to when he, when he took the job. Let's, let's go back to when he took the job. He, the Pels were coming off of a playoff run. He thought he was going to be able to work with Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, Tyreek, uh, Ryan Anderson, and, and Anthony Davis. Yep. His very first game as the head coach, not, he had to start Nate Robinson and Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> yeah, not, like, not what you were expecting. The very first game. Uh, and I'm pretty sure – and they like, started the first game 
and was cut after the second game. He didn't even score in two games. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's how bad things were off, off the top. And, you know, injuries have always been an issue here. And I think, you know, he does deserve at, at least a year of, of a fair shake. And, look, you're, you're not going to be in a position where you're going to win championships next year. No. So go ahead and figure out if Alvin's going to be your coach for the next four or five years. See if it's going to work. If, if not, you can move on. But you can at least see this year while you're trying to figure that part out. You're not going to waste any time. I mean, you can go out and hire somebody. But it's, it's, you, can, you can do that. You can do it next year. You can do it midseason. You can figure out if Andy Finch is your head coach. There's a, a lot you can figure out. It doesn't have to be right away. And I think for right now, you know, go ahead. Let them, let them all figure it out. I mean, he, he did I, – I thought Alvin was going to be here no matter what. You know, Gail told uh, our Jeff Duncan earlier today, he – everybody said that they were going to keep Alvin. Yeah, and it's I, almost I like it was, was a uh, prerequisite to taking this job or her offering it to someone. And we all know that she's a big fan of Alvin Gentry, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and so it was. It was one of those deals when it, it even now she she didn't make it clear if they all wanted to keep Alvin as a uh, somebody who could go into the front office with him or completely keep him as coach. I would assume coach, but that's you know, the fact that Alvin is, the fact that Alvin was going to be there was going was a given, and I think it makes sense for somebody who was almost the head coach when Griffin got to Cleveland to go ahead and try to to make this work, and I think. He's he's familiar enough with him. I don't know if if outside of, I mean, if he would have hired Blatt, I don't I don't know who else he would have hired that would have, uh, and, and you know he wasn't gonna hire Blatt. He fired Blatt. By the no, way. I so, was like that 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 wasn't gonna happen. Here. Yeah, yeah. So there's not another coach that he said that he would have been in, in lockstep with. That that lockstep was the word that they kept using over yep. and over and over again today. So there was nobody else that he was gonna have that sort of relationship with to be like that. That person could tell him to. This ain't gonna work. We're not gonna do this, and and everything be fine. Uh, then he was gonna go with Alvin Gentry. No, and, and and that that's an interesting thing because he's gonna come in, and there's gonna be a lot of upheaval. There's gonna be a lot of new people in there, and you need sort of some consistency. And maybe consistency is not the right word. Maybe you already need to have some chemistry with the people that you're hiring for things to function as well as you want them to be. And he said the way he kind of builds a culture is you build a family that it's okay if you guys butt heads because you're telling each other what you need to know or what the other person needs to know. And you kind of work through it from there. So everyone's going to be open to criticism, probably himself included in all of this. And if you want that type of culture and you want to foster that, having someone that you're already comfortable doing that with is a really big point because it just shows others kind of how to act and what you want when you've already got like a lieutenant in the building. And when he was saying that, Alvin Gentry was sitting right in front of you and I, if you looked at him, he's yeah. just kind of nodding along like, yeah, this is how I, we I, do I it. Do that part. It was one, it was like one part where Alvin just kept nodding like, like, like Alvin was, he was in his mind already. Like he knew exactly what was going on. And I think that was, I think, another very much a telling part of this was, Alvin just really wanted to hear that. I mean, with Adele, I don't think everything was was always out front. I, you know, it was always kind of, you know, softened maybe a little bit. And I think when when Griffin was talking to us on the side, he mentioned as soon as he and Alvin spoke, he knew, and it, these are his words, that it was a no-brainer yeah. to keep Alvin on his coach. Uh, and he said, he goes, Alvin, 
is is at his best when he's fearless, Howard. When he doesn't have to look over his shoulder, he doesn't have to worry about this, he doesn't have to worry about that, and that's what Griffin is going to provide to him. Griffin is going to provide this atmosphere. I think where Gentry just allowed to to go out there and do what he's do what he can do best, not just you know go out there and coach the basketball team. But he you got to give him credit, no matter. If you're a, a Gentry hater or not, you have to give the guy credit for um, being able to go out there and, and deal with everything. Oh, my God. Dealing with, with just loads and loads of crap. Like, there's um, no other way to all, put it. Like, all year. Just as soon as that stuff went down. I mean, we, we never heard officially from, from Dell other than the finger injury. Uh, there, was, there was just nothing else for Dell to say to us. And then... Alvin was out, had to be out there, even though, and I, I think even when Ferry came in, Ferry he was even making it when injuries were there. It was, you know, hey, look, this is what's going on. Uh, you know, I just want to give you a heads up so Alvin doesn't have to take the the brunt of all the questions. And then it it just it worked, and Alvin deserves to to kind of be a like, a little bit rewarded uh, for having to deal with all that. And then the, the one thing that Alvin did do, and you can't. You know, you can't deny the man this any either. Every time that he would go out there, he got those guys to play hard. Every every game, other than the two Orlando games, because apparently nobody in this organization knows how to beat Orlando. Uh, it, it, it seemed like this year. <laughs> Once he got that done, and Alvin just needs to. Alvin's going to get the guys to play hard. It's just Griff just hasn't been the talent so they could turn these into wins. It's not just moral victories. Yeah, and again, I think it's just the fact that they're comfortable with each other is important too. And, you know, again, you can't just start completely fresh with a blank slate. That's just a little bit weird. So I think that's a bit of a problem. Look, I I get why people are not, you know, super positive on Alvin Gentry and really don't want him to stay. And I don't, you know, I I don't really have a take on where I fall in this. I could go either way. It makes sense for both sides of it. Um, and you know, only making the playoffs once in your four years here isn't a good look. It's kind of as simple as that. He was also perceived early on when he was hired as kind of the cheap hire by the team, even mm-hmm. though it kind of made the most sense. And he was probably the best candidate of the people that they were doing. So he's he's fighting against the current that he's always been fighting against. I think here. So that's part of the reason that it's not positive. But. Keeping some consistencies important. Like you said, you don't necessarily know what this team's going to look like in a year. And as Griffin said, he goes, you know, we don't want to force a style of play on the team. We want the, the team to kind of figure out the best style of play and then, you know, get a coach that coaches to that. And it might not be Gentry style or it might. It's not just a one year thing. It's they're giving him every opportunity, I think, to keep his job and, and get an extension for the future and be the long-term head coach. It's not just keeping him here for a bridge year, which then maybe does screw with consistency. Cause if you do trade with guy for, you know, AD, which we're going to talk about in just yeah. a moment here for a guy, you know, like Jason Tatum, he'll have at Brad Stevens there last year. He'll have Alvin Gentry this coming year. And then he'll have a new coach after that. And three coaches in three years is not what you want. So I don't think they're going in with that mindset of, okay, cool. We'll just deal with him for a year. Then we'll fire him. They want him probably, to succeed and to win this job long term. Yeah, and I think when I you know when I talk about just giving him at least a shit, you got to even see if he works. I mean, if he works, he works. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But you got to see. You got to just take that chance and just and see what he can deal with. I've always wanted to see what Alvin can do with an actual healthy team. 
I mean, we haven't really seen him be able to do that. Uh, it's like, well, welcome to New Orleans, David Griffin, and, yeah, and he, some of the things you're going to have to deal with eventually. Even even this year, I mean, they go out on the 4-0 start, and then, you know, AD gets hurt, and Alfred gets hurt, and the team's never healthy again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so he, I know injuries are part of the game, but building rosters around those guys so injuries aren't a huge part of it is also a big thing for me. And I think that's what you're going to see with, with these two. And if it works with him, great. But it, Griff's not a, he's not afraid to make moves in the middle of a season. He'll, he'll do it and he'll, you know, this team starts off four and 14 next year. You know, maybe we have a new coach 18 yep. weeks into the season. It, it, it's not, he's not going to just accept losing He's going to do everything he wants, but he's going to give uh, Gentry a chance, at least the chance, to go out there and prove himself. And one of the so Griffin talked a little bit about this is somewhat related to all this. Talked about a couple of areas that he wants to beef up in terms mm-hmm. of the Pelican staffing. One of it is the front office scouting as well. Analytics are a big one, and then he also said medical staff and like player and training staff all, you know all of those things health of the yeah, players player development it, and yeah. training staffs yeah and so hopefully that maybe helps this team avoid some of those things in the future because i think it is safe to say they haven't exactly been at the forefront of all of this they got better this past year by using a lot yeah. of the wearable technology but then they kind of still ran those guys into the ground because all that wearable technology i think was flashing red and making loud beeps for a chunk of the year so Hopefully that gets improved, and maybe you start to see the effects of that next year. Though it's kind of tough to quantify, I guess. Yeah, and you did—they did get a lot of freak accidents this year. I mean, uh, they've had that like every year for years. Eric Gordon broke a yeah. finger, and then in the first game back, broke the same finger, and like something like that happened to Alfred Payton this year. Like, yeah, <laughs> what, what Alfred, Alfred was in a spot. I mean, he breaks his ankle. I mean, there, there are some things where you have to—you have to get like. It, it, when your ankle sprains, ankle sprains are, are, are usually a, 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 a not a toughness thing, but a, a strength in the ankle thing. Maybe you got to do that. You got to figure out ways to how you're doing that. But like Alfred's broken bone and his finger was just a, a freak accident. Uh, AD having his freak accident with, with his finger, you know, he's swiping up at the ball. Some things like that you can't con- you can't control. But yeah. there are things out there that you can control, uh, and I think that's where you need to see some some differences and and I would think moving forward that you will see some differences um, when it comes to that medical staff. Uh, I I think you are going to see some try to get better, try to get improved there. Um, You're going to add more bodies there. I don't think it's just going to be, I don't know if it's a situation where people who are on the job right now get fired, but I do think you see more names added to the, the medical roster. It's just like you're going to see more names added to uh, the front office staff. They're going to do a lot of different things. And uh, that's why I think every, everybody who's in that building right now may be like, okay, we're safe for now. But, yeah. I, I, you know, somebody else might come in and also have my same job title um, in, in the coming weeks. And it's just going to be up to me of, well, if they're going to be over me, do I stay, do I go, do I stay, do I go? And it's just going to be up to basically the individual. Um, but he's going to come in there and he's going to make some changes to, to kind of update everything going around in there. Yeah. Which is probably needed. And these are some of his demands and they said yes, which again shows you that they are increasing the bandwidth is the word he used to kind of make a lot of this happen. And again, if you're Pelicans fans, this is exactly what you want to hear and you've got to feel really, really good about this. So 
We're going to talk about, it's almost like an elephant in the room at this point, the Anthony Davis situation and some of the eye-opening things maybe that David Griffin said um, at his introductory press conference. Before we get to that, the NFL draft is coming on up. The schedules were released yesterday. If you want to know more about that, go break it down game by game. The Locked on Saints podcast has you covered Monday through Friday, bringing you everything you need to know about the black and gold. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast. All right. So this is where we're going to have some fun because I think you and I are probably on the same page with this. Just straight up, Anthony Davis back next year. Yeah. (laughs) This is is what what, what Chris Chris said. He's, you know, I'm going to talk about Rich Paul. I'm going to do this. I I, I still don't see it happening. I, I just, there's just too much there. I, I do think if I mean, the Davis would have to have a change of heart, I, I just I don't see it happening. I just, no. I just don't get it. Um, I mean, you can try great, but I, I think AD pretty much has made his mind up. If Griffin pull that off, you know, my ass off to him, the job, great, great job there, to be honest, but I, I don't see it happening. However, it's not a, a 0% chance anymore. I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, it is. I mean, you, you upgraded to 1.2%. Yes. Yeah, so basically, know. it's now just, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. So there, <laughs> there is a chance. I, I, don't, I don't buy it. Uh, I, I think it's, it's maybe more leveraged than anything else uh, in, in the trade market where he's basically saying, look, I, I, I'll try to keep him here. And if he doesn't, you know, I, I don't know what else you expected him to say. Like, he, he's got to try. Yeah, I mean, it's a once in a generation type player. It's it's he like doing your due diligence that like, well, at least I can say I did it. And if it doesn't work out, it yeah. doesn't work out because there's no harm in trying to convince him about it. So at the press conference, David Griffin, like unprompted, just comes out and says, you know, I have a great relationship with Clutch Sports and Rich Paul. You know, that's LeBron's yeah. agent who he dealt with for a while. They paid Tristan Thompson, who was represented I by Clutch Sports. And what, J.R. Smith, too, right? Were the three guys yeah, there in J- Cleveland? Yeah, J.R. was also, yeah. So, and it, it was almost like you almost had to pay entrance fees for those guys. Yeah. To kind of get <laughs> to get some, some stuff there. But, you know, he, he has worked with him in the other part. When he was giving those deals out, it, and he even said this, you know, the mindset was different. He, he was trying yeah, to, entirely. To, to win championships right away. You know, it wasn't a, it, it's, it's a different case in New Orleans. You're trying to, to build a culture. Like I said, he's trying to build his spurs now. He's trying to make his San Antonio. This is a completely different setup. It's not you have to win next year right away. It's almost like what he thought he had when he originally accepted the job in Cleveland. You know, yeah. when he took the job in Cleveland. He and was then the found out LeBron wanted to come back like a month later. Yeah, so he, he was in a spot where he, he basically, you know, he, I think he's named the official GM in that May, and then two months later, LeBron's like, oh, yeah, I'm coming back. So he yeah. had to make sure he had enough space to get LeBron just in case, but he was trying to build a team up there. Now he's going to try to do that here, and if you're doing that, you, you have to do these types of things. You have to kind of just make sure you're, you know, that people are going to be on the same page as you, and you got to give it a shot. Like You have to go in there and, and at least try to say, Hey, AD, look, I'm, I'm not Dell. Give me a shot. Like, let me let me see what I can do first. 
And if AD buys in, great. Um, it, it's going to be a little awkward, I think, when he when he has to show up at the Smoothie King Center again. Yeah, uh, I, but I, I don't know how that goes. But you know, maybe he wears a different T-shirt that time. Yeah, you, uh, definitely hire a new stylist. And yeah. maybe just pick your T-shirts yourselves would be be good. You're an adult. Like, that's allowed. So that's an interesting thing. And I was thinking about this earlier today. And it's, you know, someone asked me, they were like, I don't think I want him back. And I kind of looked at the person and I was like, are, mm-hmm. are you, you didn't get, like, are you crazy? Like, did you eat something weird today? Because you should always want Anthony Davis back, no matter kind of how poisoned that well was. But that's a well that can get fixed Pretty quickly, he comes out and has a 50-point game, say, on opening night, which he's done before, and all is going to be immediately forgiven. It was, it was fixed during the season almost. Like, remember that first game? Yeah. Minnesota? They were it was so weird. For the first quarter, and then he was like, oh, y'all have booed me? And then he had like a stretch of like 10 straight points, and everybody forgot to boo him the rest of the game. They cheered I mean, him. It was so, I remember you and I were talking that game beforehand, and we were being like, we don't know how this is going to go. And we kind of assumed right. booze, and then he's just so good; he makes you forget that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I had one fan. I remember he like he he when I put the you know everything out there. I think that was the point. You know, he, he's out of the video. He's into the video. But like somebody was like, "Yeah, they're just booing." And I was like, "Well, now they're cheering." And he's like, "Man, we just had to get that out of our system. Like we we knew what it was about. Like we we just we were, we were mad, but now we're cool. Like it was <laughs> it was like look." Hey, bro, don't don't do don't pull us like this. We'll cheer for you the rest of the year, but like, man, we we don't like we don't like how you went about your, your yeah. Your, knock your knock some of this crap off, and it'll be okay. And like, I, I even think like the middle finger incident isn't that bad because people kind of realized he was being yelled at inappropriately by a fan, and he just kind of responded like any human would. And I think especially this year, we've seen maybe some more sympathy yeah. towards NBA players when it comes to things like that with Russell Westbrook in particular. And like, that's—I don't think anyone's upset over that with him now. Yeah, and I think even with that, like even in that video, he immediately. Like daps off another fan, another fan. Right after that, it, it had nothing to do with that one. Like, oh, he's against the fans. He's against the fans. No, it had nothing to do with the fans. It had everything to do with the fact that like some guy told him something he probably shouldn't have said, and AD reacted in a way he probably shouldn't have did. But and he got I mean, fined for it, it appropriately. So I, yeah, he, he took his fine. He's like big deal. And even he said it, you know, in in his exit interview, he was like, you know, I never. He's like, outside of that one incident with that one fan, I never had an issue with any fans in New Orleans. Like, everybody's been all all good to me, even, you know, after everything was kind of going down. You know, every, everybody was kind of cool. And just not that one time. And I think that's that's appropriate. I mean, yeah. it, it, I, I still believe this. If, if they work this out and AD comes back, one apology and everything's forgiven. Like you, you might have some people who, ne- who, they, who are never going to forgive him, but like, c- come on, look at look at look at where he was. I mean, he he was he was probably I don't want to say manipulated. That seems like a strong word, but yeah, he was he took given bad, bad advice. advice. I, I, yeah, he he things didn't go the way he thought they were going to go. He thought he was going to be able to force his way out of here, um, or maybe not him, maybe his. His people thought he was, they were going to be able to force him out, and, and when it didn't work, I think this is kind of how it came down. And you know, I if, if it works out, you you have to just be able to open back up and be like, okay, come on, we're we're good. You don't just throw away a, a generational talent. I mean, you can try to badmouth them all you want and say, 
you know, oh, he's he, he can't win. He's he's not a win. Spare me all that. Like yeah. he, he's he's still Anthony Davis. Like let's let's be real. He's still. I mean, the dude was putting up sixteen and eight in what twenty one minutes a game. Yeah, like I it, mean. It, showing you how good he is when he, he's not, and he wasn't even trying in those 20 minutes. Like he was half-assing this, a lot of it, and he was still that good. Yeah. And, and so if, if you got him back to where he was completely committed to what you wanted to do, you, you go ahead and take him because he's Anthony Davis. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's the bottom line. I mean, he's, he's still AD and he's going to be the guy to, to, you know, could turn this around. He, he never lost the locker room. You no, know, th- those guys that... still. Yeah, like you said, I mean, those guys, those guys still were, were about it. I mean, even even at, even at the Edgerton interview, you know, Drew was yeah. like, "Man, I keep telling him, my man, come on, stay." So no, I, I, mean, I said he, this on the podcast. He never lost the guys. Yeah, yesterday when everyone's like, "Well, Gentry's kept the locker room together," the locker room never got fractured over this. Like they were yeah. all cool. They're his peers. They get it. If they were in, if they were as good as him, they might have tried to do the same thing. They just kind of understand. Yeah, I mean, Drew continued to work him. Like, hey man, you don't have to do this. Everybody understood, and I think when the, you, there was nobody in that locker room that hated Anthony Davis. This wasn't a a Jimmy Butler Minnesota situation. Okay, this wasn't yeah, a, no, a, a situation where where anybody hated him. You know, he wasn't yelling at anybody. He wasn't yelling at. Uh, you know, staffers. He wasn't yelling at the coaches. There was nothing like that. He was he was fine with everything. And to to me, that just kind of says that if they were, it, it's an easier sell to me to to to, to try to say like, oh, if somebody's like, oh, he's not going to come back. I, I, I mean, again, I don't see it. But like, if it if it were to happen, if Griffin were to pull this off, I wouldn't be. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, like completely shocked. Like, I'd be shocked, but, like, how can he walk back into that locker room? Like, very easily. Like, he, yeah, like, no problem. Like, nobody, like, didn't like the guy. Like, he could easily walk back in there. It, it wouldn't be an issue at all for me. No, not at all. And I don't think it's a problem for any of them. The good thing is, or not, maybe not the good thing. That's probably the wrong choice of words there. The realistic thing is, this is probably not happening and this might have just been like a straight shot at other teams being like, hey, by the way, AD yeah. is going to be expensive if you want to trade for him. Yeah, I, I do think that <laughs> is kind of where this was going for. This this was about – this was, to me, I think maybe more about leverage than anything else. Um, when when you go back and he was like, look, I'm, I'm not just going to give him away, you know, and uh, almost as like, look, if you don't – I'll wait till next year. Like, I'll – Come on, yes. my God. I'll sit this out the whole time. Like, I'm not just going to give this guy away. And I think when you go back, when, when Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland, Griff was still the GM at that time. Yep. Part he of also the, had he a good had a trade, trade in place. <laughs> he had a trade in place that would have brought Paul George yep. And other pieces. <laughs> he would have brought Paul George to Cleveland. Everybody just wouldn't sign up. Gilbert didn't want to sign off on it. Kyrie's people didn't want to even get into it because they wanted assurances that Griff was going to get a contract extension. When Griff didn't get a contract extension, everything got a little weird. And everybody's like, eh, I don't know. And then Griff is not the person who ends up making that deal. And they get fleeced by Boston. So yep, 
pretty big. That's he, rough. He's in a spot now to make his superstar trade and make his mark. He can very quickly turn this from what was Del Dense's team into his team uh, just by what he's going to have to do and how he's going to have to manipulate this trade, um, which I think is, is, a, is a good thing. Like Very, very quickly, this can be David Griffin's team completely uh, in, in terms of how he builds this roster. He has decisions to make. I mean, what do you do with, with Elfred? What do you do with Julius Randle? How does that shake down? How much do you want to give Julius? A lot of stuff is going to change, and I think you have a chance to make your mark very quickly as to how you're going to build this team. I, I, I don't think it's even just his team. I think it's his franchise. Uh, you know, I don't true, think it's just true. the on-court right. stuff. Like, obviously, there's the stuff that, like, the basketball operations side of things, the front office, scouting, the, you know, medical staff, player development, analytics, all of that. But he, you know, kind of addressed everyone that was at the practice facility, the Ostner Sports and Medicine practice facility, where <laughs> it was a lot of, like, people that don't have anything to do with, like, the day-to-day running of the team. You had a lot of ticket reps there. You had customer service people, other things like that. They were all there for it, and he addressed them directly, saying, you know, you're all working hard trying to get better every day. We're going to keep doing all of that together. He's probably going to make his mark from top to bottom on this franchise in other things. So, and I already know what your answer is going to be here. If he, you, if he, he's got like a list of things he's got to do, obviously, but other important decisions he's got to make for this team, let's say, what are some of the ones that he didn't touch on or no one else has touched on yet? Um, I, I think he's got he's to get the medical staff better. That's the first thing I think. Yeah, actually, I, I oh, I thought you were going to go jerseys. Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch those. I'm, I'll save those later. I want to get the medical staff done first. Okay. I, I think that, that needs to get done first, and then we can start talking about making the Reds the primary jerseys. Oh my god, <laughs> like the best uniform set you got. Use them. Make that your primary. See, no more you, quickly we've moved off the medical staff. I was setting you up for that one, man. Oh. I'm so concerned about this medical staff. I, I, uniforms are just so up. <laughs> Look, good for you I'm for so, worrying about God. the health of people versus the style. You're going for more substance here than style. That's important. You don't win games based off jerseys, but you do win games based off of you healthy players. Games. If you win games based off jerseys, just give the Miami Heat all the championships. Oh, man, the Vice ones and how they're different every yes. year, and they're just as good every year, and this one with the pink was even better. There's a couple that are uh-huh. really, really good. And, I can't wait till next year, and they have the, the the baby blue ones to complete the whole set. Oh, it's gotta be so pretty. Yeah, those are, it, those are fun. Yeah, those win a lot. I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the Prince ones up in Minnesota too. Those are like just how perfectly like yeah. local those are. Because also, I can't think of like anything other than snow that maybe identifies Minnesota. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else you would do up there. I, mean, I think that kind of works. <laughs> that kind of works perfect. But I mean, if you can't, know, just. Just make them the reds. the reds. I mean, use the reds all the time. Those they the gave him ones, one of the yeah. white jerseys today? Like when they presented I, the David Griffin jersey? It was the white one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the white one. I'm, I'm, the white one's probably, like, I, it, it's cleaner now, especially now that they changed the font the, on it. The font was important. Um, and they, they were so dang small before. Uh, now they fixed that. The only other thing I would like to see is, is I want to see Pelicans on the, on the blue jerseys. That might make me not hate those as much. Okay. I can see the that. Blues, the blues, I think, are my, my least favorite of the, of the regular rotation jerseys. We've, we've talked a lot about those, uh, 
those Mardi Gras uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> it's like been one some of time before. Hates him as much. I get it. I get it. it look, he's probably going to have a hand in all of this, though. This doesn't strike me as a guy that is like, oh, yeah, cool. Let me just sign my name and, and, and be okay with yeah. this on things. Like, no. Like, that's not how he rolls. So it'll be interesting to see. We're going to learn more about this in the coming days. Like, he's been here for just a few days. It's tough to make all of these big decisions right away, and it takes some time. And more is going to be, uh, you know, coming out about this all over the summer. There's not going to be much of an off season yeah. for the Pelicans whatsoever here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I guess I'm kind of both looking forward to that and not looking forward to that. That, uh, that <laughs> yep. there's no 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 end in sight. But we're not talking about to... Christian Wood every single night when there was nothing to talk uh, about during the regular season. I love Christian Wood. Like I love Chris Wood, but from a, from a writing perspective, that last month of the season was just brutal. Brutal. Because it was it was hard to try to come up to think of stuff, and and you, you're trying to figure out, oh, well, Christian Wood had a good night. And, Let's talk uh, about that again. But had a good night. And, oh, Christian Wood had a good night again. And it was just constant. And you're like, okay, something else, please? But Yeah, and then the something know. else was the T-shirt stuff. And it's like, okay, can we like, – maybe we need to go back yeah. to Christian like, Wood. Right. Or can we get something maybe, other than maybe, that? Maybe this, is, maybe this is getting what we asked for. We should. Yeah, <laughs> well, we did <laughs> say – we did ask for something else, and that's what we got. And it's like I spent like two days talking about this, which we needed to do. We ha- like we actually have to dive yeah. into something like that. But oh my god, this is like such a joy in comparison to that. So we'll be talking about all of this stuff a lot over the summer, I'm sure. So Andrew, thanks for coming on the Lockdown Pelicans podcast today. Let everyone know where to find you on Twitter and what you got coming up over at NOLA.com. Underscore Andrew underscore Lopez on Twitter. There were too many Andrew Lopez's when I got to Twitter, finally. So um, that's that's where to find me. And we'll have all your coverage from David Griffin uh, is on the site right now, NOLA.com uh, backslash Pelicans. And we'll have more coming up. And then next week, we start player reviews, going through all of the players on the roster. Um, and I get to start, you know, going through those, uh, this, all those quotes we had from last week when it was, 16 interviews in one day or whatever it was uh, back to 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 to whatever how many backs i need there yeah pelicans wanted to get through that day as quick as as possible so just throw it all out there yeah so again thanks for coming on and we'll definitely do this again soon all right no problem man so again thank you to andrew lopez for coming on the locked on pelicans podcast with me today make sure you give him a follow on twitter it's underscore andrew underscore lopez and you can find him over at nola.com backslash pelicans Bit of a longer podcast today, but obviously this is such a big deal. David Griffin, again, being introduced as the Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations for your New Orleans Pelicans. Start of a new chapter, and again, this dude won the press conference and has to make you feel really good and optimistic if you're a Pelicans fan. We'll be talking about it more tomorrow as well. There's just so much to take away from all of this. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked on Pelicans on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course the Himalaya podcast app. As always, I'm your host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. Thank you all for listening and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.